Welcome back to Questions You Didn't Ask with me, Naisha Frey, and my guests this week, Aisha Gray-Henry, LaTanya Dewberry, and Melody Fuller. Let's get back into our conversation surrounding adoption, foster care, and kinship care in the African-American community. So I have another question. I'm going to go back to Aisha real quick um, before we lose her. (laughs) And that is, what are you what are the things you want the African American community to consider doing to support children and families in the child welfare system? Mm, that's a big question. <laughs> I think it's about doing what you can where you are. Um, and I think that, you know, just being sensitive to people's experiences. And one of the things that I've become more sensitive to is just that how foster care can just touch people's lives for a moment and have a lasting lifetime effect. Um, And so I've gotten involved with the organization called A Home Within. And basically it it provides free counseling to anybody who's been affected by foster care. So it could be children or it can be an adult. Um, And it's free counseling and there's no limit to it. Um, I was attracted to the organization because I've, I've worked in so many different positions where I work with kids in foster care or provided counseling. And there were always these limitations. You know, you can only, you know, it's got to be reassessed by insurance, you know, in a certain time period. Or, you know, you have to share what progress this um, this child has made um, to their DSS worker, their CPS worker, their teacher. Um, And so sometimes confidentiality is of question at times. Um, So I was attracted to being a part of an organization where we just provide, you know, free counseling and support to you for however long you need it. And um, so, you know, what you would talk about, Naisha, just in terms of, you know, the healing and moving things forward, you know, I think it's about us looking differently at the value and how we can support children in this, children and adults who've been in this, you know, experience. Um, Because I think family and having support is a protective factor. And it's just not something everybody always has. I think Melody's story is so powerful. And I saw all the images of your, your, (laughs) it's all these images of your your grandparents' time period that they came from. Um, And I'm so grateful that you were able to have that support. I'm also... And I'm grateful that um, Latanya sounds like she came from a, a great, you know, some strengths in terms of her family situation. Um, but I think a lot of us out here, these kids, sometimes they leave foster care and they just have nobody or they go back to a family situation that's unhealthy. Um, and so that's why I got involved with A Home Within, just to be a, be a support to provide some space for people who just really don't have anybody, just nobody at all. And we all need that. I know I've had that. I was raised by two parents. Parents, what a privilege. What a privilege. What a privilege to have siblings. What a privilege to have people motivating you to go to school and finish school. What a privilege. What a protective space that provides for you to thrive. It's just unmeasurable. Yes. So what the community, what our community can do is to, to do what you can where you are, whether that's volunteering with an organization, whether that's just being sensitive to somebody in your neighborhood who, you know, is going through a situation, <laughs> you know, just being sensitive to them, just just offering what you can. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, this conversation is so rich and full of love. And I love the way, Aisha, you repeated the statement of what a privilege Um, I'm a strong believer in counting your blessings, um, especially when you're in the midst of a storm, but even when you're not, 
Um, it's important to count your blessings and things like what you just shared um, are important for us not to take for granted. And because of that, I'm going to go ahead and share the website um, of the organization, A Home Within. We like to share resources here on this podcast. It's ahomewithin.org, all one word. Um, they are on Facebook. They are on Twitter. They are on LinkedIn. They even have some Vimeos, YouTube. They're on Instagram. They are everywhere for you to engage with them. But one of your touch points is ahomewithin.org. There's a volunteer opportunity that's right there at the top um, for people that want to um, get involved. There's also an opportunity to refer a youth, a person that may be in need of support. Um, and there's lots of information about the number of children and youth that they have impacted and touched and, um, and, and the stats that they're looking to change, you know, as it relates to the number of people that are um, in uh, the foster care system. So um, one last question that I want to ask you um, is, is there anything in particular that people should stop doing, Aisha? <laughs> and I think we talked a little bit about this um, between you, between Latanya and Melody, um, the things that kind of like are like, eh, and getting away. What are things that people should stop doing that impedes the health and healing of those in the child welfare system? Mm, good question. I think um, we need to <laughs> reveal our secrets. We need to, and you know, I'm also a therapist and a clinician. And so what I often witness every day is the pain of the secrets. Um, so the, the pain that's, un sometimes the, the pain that underlies what's not being told or what's not being spoke about in our family. Um, there's a there's a term intergenerational trauma, but there's also intergenerational self-esteem and, and how we feel about ourselves sometimes when we just understand our story and understand why, oh, that's why yes. Auntie so-and-so acts like that. Oh, that's why Uncle So-and-so acts like that. You know, it's it's instead of a child internalizing it. And it ends up affecting how we feel about ourselves. I've also sat in front of grandmothers who are taking on their grandchildren and they are stressed out. Um, we live in a time where um, grandparents who have lived, people who have lived through that crack era, the grandparents aren't always able to uh, take their grandchildren in the way they used to. Um, and we, we have to acknowledge that too, that you know uh, there is a generation of grandparents that have just been over inundated with uh, being assumed that they can take on that responsibility. You know, it's hard in your seventies to say, you know, you're going to take on a child when you've kind of just raised yours. So yeah, I think we need to reveal our, our family stories and reveal our secrets because it becomes painful and it becomes a barrier to us understanding ourselves and understanding how we came to be where we are and where we can go. And am I answer your question? Because you know, I, I you get are into it. <laughs> girl. That's what I want. That's what I'm talking about. That's yeah, why I asked you to be on here, right? Yeah, yes. we need to reveal our secrets, you know. And I, that's what I heard in some of our stories. Just you know, there being gaps in information. You know, you know what, what was going on with mommy? What, what, what was? Why is my father not here? Why have I? I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. Who am I if I don't know him? You know, just. Just we need to we need to be more uh, communicative about the truths of of our lives because it really can impact a young person or the next generation in terms of them feeling able 
to to deal with life and manage life in a better way. Yeah. So I, I want to pull Latanya and Melody into this question as well. I was going to ask Latanya a different one. But what should we stop doing that impedes the health and healing of those in the child welfare system? I mean, Aisha said some some beautiful points. I mean, you touched the center of it, like with I said, the unanswered questions, you know, just not revealing all the truths. I mean, um, I think that, again, as as we as a community are dealing with sensitivity, you know, it's about being sensitive and not so much um, understanding, but an empathetic approach. Again, we... <laughs> Are there things out of our control, you know, living in a world and a system that's been dealing with the things, um, the harshness of realities as black people, as black women? Um, these are just things that we faced. And, and being women of our years, we, we've seen a lot, you know, from uh, experiencing that. And so understanding that there's a lot of different family dynamics and they are going to continue to change. Um, the things that don't change when it comes to families are certain elements. Again, commitment love, dedication, perseverance. You know, these are these are the walkaways that again that we're we stand on. That's why we are all here. You know, someone chose to love us, you know, and so for those that um, don't have that, you know, or not don't have a chance to experience that, you know, and again, even those of us who've chosen, who've gotten that love still have a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of healing that has to go on in our own lives. So we're not, um, I'm not removed from any community, uh, again, because understanding that, you know, that dynamic is is very important to, to know oneself. Um, so it is a journey. It's a journey. It's definitely something that um, when it comes to the, pe the people around us, being more sensitive and understanding that with people. Um, we're all, we all come to this place, into this world in different ways. Um, but I think that by us all being present, um, um, Dr. Um, What's his name? Um, goodness, it slips my mind. Cornell West used to say, you know, I'm, I'm here because somebody loved me. And I think that that's a community thing. Um, even having parents or grandparents, there's, it still takes a community, right? So it still takes people. Your ch children are influenced by all that they see, you know, all that they come in contact with. So that understanding, that compassion um, is something that's needed. And like Aisha said, for both children and adults, you know, it's not, it's a, this is an ongoing process. We're continuing to learn um, and grow in this space. But um, I think that that's, that's the biggest, this biggest piece is compassion and empathy. Yeah. I mean, I think in my experience learning about trauma-informed care and trauma-informed communities is that the recognition that if you don't understand as an adult, as an administrator, as a professional, as a caregiver, as a caretaker, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a police officer, whoever you are that's interacting with the public, if you don't understand what traumas you have experienced and how they have impacted you, if you don't get in touch with that, then it's really hard for you to understand what other people are going through. It's going to be harder for you to impart that same level or the appropriate level of compassion, the appropriate level of love and care and guidance um, that's necessary. So this whole idea of, of being trauma-informed is exactly multi-generational, right? It's not just for the kids because, you know, I have to give a bit of a confession that I went into psychology thinking that I was going to work on children and families. And then when I had the opportunity to do that, 
I realized I had poor boundaries and just was like a bleeding heart all over the place. Right. So I couldn't help anybody. Right. Because I couldn't help myself. And I was over relating to what some of these children were going through and recognizing that no matter what I deal with them on an individual basis, if then I return them back to their home and their parents and their caretakers were not whole and healed, then it was just going to get undone. And that cycle was just maddening to me. I had such a strong heart for children and families and wanting to see them whole and happy. But I recognized that for me, it was a little bit more of a challenge. So I applaud you all um, for doing this work, um, Aisha and Latanya. And and even for Melody, um, as friends, um, we all have shared in our understanding of what it is of ourselves that we need to address um, and then working through some of those things so that we can be better for our children. And before I, I, you know, I go too far, Latanya, as you're in this work, what are some of the things we should stop doing that impedes the health and healing of those in the child welfare system? Let me just say, you are saying all the things. <laughs> you are saying all the things, okay? Because, listen, um, we first got to stop believing we can't be healed. That's first. That part. That That's we, right. That we can't be healed. That's one. And then two, we have to stop believing we have to do it alone, that we have to be strong and face these demons on our own, you know, and I'm using the word demons loosely because, you know, I'm not talking from a spiritual, uh, uh, a religious space. I'm speaking from the soul. You know, we have the capacity to truly turn the boat around and take it in the direction we want to. We have so much power within us. And nobody taught us how to do that, especially if, as African-Americans. We saw it, but we weren't literally taught how to cry, how to lean, how to um, acknowledge our quiet strength. I mean, we saw that recently in this, um, you know, visual of the judge appointment recently, you know? Yes. That we're not taught. We're not taught that resilience with compassion too. And with me, you know, what I had to learn in my healing journey was they don't know what they don't know. It's like, okay, so now I'm talking from a, a religious script, you know, where Jesus says um, they know not what they do. But I'm also speaking from a space spiritually that People don't know what they don't know because nobody's teaching them. So if I don't know my story, I don't know how my pain started. I don't know where the root of my pain is. I can't pluck it out. I can't stop it from going. So when we started doing these things with our family as our unit, just in the Dewberry family, you know, like you said, Naisha, it starts with us first. So when we started with us, we saw all the gook, you know, all the ugly, nasty, you know, we argued, we fought, we dug into the places that were sore so that we can figure out what was the, the, the deterioration, what was the, the, the poison that was within our family unit. And we spent years doing these annual retreats where we would just go there. And as a result, people started to see our unit as a covering unit. Like we are now in a space where we can say some things to each other. We're trauma informed and we pass it along to our kids. So they go into the 
into the community trauma informed and they are aware that people do things because they don't know how, they don't have a container, emotional container for some of this. So a lot of the hate and the discomfort and frustration and anger and pain and violence that we're seeing in our communities is a result of people not knowing where that started. They don't know. So if we could just start at the space that I don't know the full story. I don't know some of why I carry this pain and this anger. When we got that little baby that rolled out from the hospital, she has so much anger in her. And wow. at one and a half years old, we were like, she's in this house full of love. What are we doing? We were beating our heads up against the wall. And we learned about how trauma transfers from the mother to the child. Yes. Two yes, generations yes. back. Like that just I mean, to hear that when the grandmother is carrying the child, the mother, at four months gestation, five months gestation, that grandchild is in the womb with the mother. That is crazy to me. Crazy. Crazy. But true. So if, if my grandmother and my mother didn't deal with their trauma, I have no choice but to be birthed into the trauma too. And I won't understand my pain. I won't understand my confusion. I won't understand my discomfort. I won't understand it, but I will act out on it. And as a result, I move through this life just in trouble a lot, misunderstood a lot, until I get to the place where Melody said, I I'm, am where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to learn what I need right here where I am. I don't need no other person in my life. I am present in this moment to make the difference for not only my generation, but the generation before me and after me. And it's in that moment that I feel like families start to break free from that and then start to connect because we don't even know why we're mad at our mothers and fathers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles. We don't even know. We don't even know why they behave like they do, because like Melody said, we don't share those stories. And a big part of the work that we do is very spiritual. When you see the things that we say, we're spiritually led. We're going off of a lot of things that is not of this world. Like we don't understand it. Sometimes people come to us and we're like, I don't know why you're here, but I know that there's a there's a healing that's going to take place. So we're going to just stay here until we get there, you know, and we walk yes. alongside of these families understanding it's not a one shot deal. It's not come here, get this one thing and go. It's creating community. It's creating a space that, again, you're not alone. You can be healed and you don't have to do it with a strong face. You can do it with tears streaming down. You could do it kicking and screaming. We have what we call vomit sessions where you just say everything that's going on. We have the breakdown program where you could just throw stuff, be angry, just do whatever you feel to get that out so that you can figure out what's wrong, what's really going on. Because we, we just don't know. We don't have the language and we're trying to teach and, and accept the fact that there is a language for us. There is a language for us and we just have to learn it. We we do have to learn Amen. the healing language, you know? So yeah, if we can get those things locked in, especially in this African-American community, we grew up in a generation of pain and struggle and we don't know how not to struggle. We don't know what it looks like to just be at peace. Yes. Accepting. We we have to have chaos because that's yes. what lives in our genetics, you know? So now we, we get to learn we don't have to be in the struggle all the time. And maybe some moments when we got to pull on that ancestral uh, resilience, but there's some times where you can relax too. 
and you can be okay. <laughs> and we be boring for a little bit. How about that? Can we just yes, be boring? you can be boring for a little bit. It don't have to always be all up in our face. So it's it's been a journey. It continues to be a journey, but I think we're getting much better. You know, I have this, but I also have my business consulting side and I deal with a lot of people, adults that we had to shift our business model and include CEO wellness in our business model because we saw that so many businesses was being stifled. So many businesses was going out of business because of this trauma, because of this lack of understanding of self. We saw that that was the driving force behind the system. The, the statistics we see of black owned businesses failing it's we 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 hit this place where we don't believe in ourselves we can't go but so far nobody in my family did it i'm not enough i'm you know i look at my parents how can i bring them to this level you know or being guilty for your success or like melody said like i don't look like the my community didn't look like your community so should i not talk about my community trying to fit in all of those boxes and I, we just had to change our focus and it taught me so much about just pluck the root. We're going to get to the root so that we can do the work for real. And that's how we work in Forever Bond and in my, my EGOI company. I, it's just, it's part of who we are. It's part of the unlearning so that we can grow and be free. Yes. Let's grow and be free. Let's grow and be free and be boring. I yes. mean, that's one of my goals is just to be like a bump on the log. <laughs> be happy there. Just enjoying the simple life, like the trees. Yes. yes. Pollen. Oh gosh, not the pollen. Okay. <laughs> the flowers without the pollen. The flowers the without the pollen. We're way off track. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm just so glad that we can talk about these deep things and be passionate about them, but still find joy and laughter in each other. Um. So uh, I want to go ahead and go back to um, I want to I want to share a quote with all of you. Um, I found this quote and I want you to tell me what does this mean to you? And I think that it's mainly for Melody. I shared this with her um, before we started this recording. And it is from Oprah Winfrey. Of course, an African-American media executive, actress, talk show host, and philanthropist. I am where I am today because my grandmother gave me the foundation for success. She was raised by her grandmother. What does this mean to you? Yes, let me first start off by saying that, Latanya, I am, my, I'm speechless your 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 foundation, the work that you're doing, everything has impacted me over here. I'm over here in, in my state thinking listening to the work that you're doing and I would love to be a part uh, of, of your project and of your business. So um, it's definitely um, I had to get myself together to get back on the phone. Um, but when it comes to um, being being shaped and being raised by by my grandmother, um, you know, I, I definitely can relate. Um, it she was the gateway um, to womanhood, to motherhood, to a time where um, in our communities where there was a proper way to do things. Um, um, and so, uh, when it comes to when I say that things like, for example, you know, I, if I was speaking in proper English, she was an English teacher. She was also a social a social worker. Um, she actually had two two careers. 
Um, so she had two retirement parties, um, but she wow. she was very much, uh, yes, yeah, so the early part of teaching education and uh, English. And then she, the second half, she was a social worker. Um, my grandmother went to college at age 15, uh, met my grandfather, uh, graduated at 19, lied, had to get her first position as a teacher. Um, and, you know, again, just a dynamic woman. Um, so that is what um, I learned from um, in the latter years, even as a, because she passed when I was a teenager, um, after I graduated, before I graduated high school, um, she talked about her life. You know, I think some of her thoughts, you know, again, being a wife and a mother was expected of women of that time. Um, some conversations I felt like um, maybe she would have wanted to take a different trajectory. You know, she often talked about her peers and, you know, their experiences and the things that she wanted to have done, you know. But I think that, again, it, it was the elements of a woman that she left me with, you know, um, very much about service. She created um, a volunteer program through our church. Um, she worked with the recreational uh, center that she worked at for years. She volunteered there for the program there. So very much um, involved in giving back, um, understanding your role as a mother, as a woman in the community. Um, that translates for me. Um, you know, my work has been in the corporate space, um, but uh, my heart is always, you know, with with the people. And, and I do um, take this into practice in my own life. So the walk away for me um, is, is that's very true uh, in terms of being raised with my grandmother. I got two generations of wisdom. Um, she taught me at a young age. Um, just for a lighthearted joke that, you know, grown people can be jealous of adults understanding how to navigate this space when dealing with people who don't understand you, don't understand your story, that you don't need to worry about that. It's yours. Um, she she definitely imparted that for me. I'm very protective, understanding um, how to be in the world. And it was a certain way you need to be and conduct yourself. Uh, so, you know, these are things that I think um, aren't lost, but definitely um, they've changed um, with our focus and a lot of the distractions that we have when it comes to really creating family dynamics. So, um, yes, I agree with the statement from Oprah. She was the most impactful woman in my life. Um, and I and I stand on that. Awesome and wonderful. I love I love one thing that I love about grandparents is these wonderful things that they share with us about how to speak the truth with such directness. You said how you said sometimes grown folks are jealous, adults are jealous of grown folks. How, how did she yes. say that? <laughs> she said sometimes grown people, adults can be jealous of, of uh, children. It was ad oh. adults can be jealous of children. And, um, you know, it was it was in context to again. My grandmother, being an educator, she knew everybody. Uh, by the time I got to school, she had worked with them. Probably, you know, um, hired them. You know, all that. So she was very much a staple in the community. So she knew the players involved, right? So when it came down to dealing um, with just the politics of school. This is an elementary school. I so remember this conversation that was had. And my grandmother was one of those women, honey, she'd make a pot of pinto beans and ground turkey, uh, high water cornbread and cabbage. We're going to take it up to the school. We're going to feed the teachers, the principal, you know, so very much involved, you know, with, with being connected and being visible. Um, so when it came down to me, well, there was, really wasn't going to be too much conversation. Um, there, there was order in the home. The, 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 therefore, there was order 
in school. Um, but when it came down to conflict, uh, just, you know, her perspective oftentimes, um, just when she would just share, you know, sometimes it's, you're not always in the wrong. You know, sometimes you can have situations where grown people don't understand your situation or your family dynamic. And that's cool. That's their problem. You know, so that 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 plainness does come with me. Um, so, yes, that's that's it for that. Yep. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Nobody Perfect. asked the question. You did. A, you a did. A tangent there. No, you are right there with us. We are right there with you. Um, Aisha, Latanya, what do you want to say about, you know, when we. OK. And one thing that I do have to back up and do is say her name. The Honorable Katanji Brown Jackson. She is the woman that we are watching in the moment, um, the Black woman that we are watching in the moment, um, seeing her under the pressure of this um, experience of being elevated to um, the nomination of the Supreme Court Justice and recognizing her silent strength and her very direct strength at times. But in addition to that, we have other examples like Oprah Winfrey, other people in our community who have been raised by their grandparents, who have been raised by their aunts and uncles, who have been raised by their cousins, um, in some cases, maybe even their brothers or sisters. And they find strength in recognizing that despite the fact that their biological birth parents were not able to care for them, that they... Um, had the love that was needed to make them into something awesome. Um, I love what you said earlier, Latanya, about getting to the root of plucking it out. And that it's a journey. It's not a one and done. But if there's anything else that you all would like to share with our audience as a final message, please let us um, know at this time, Aisha or Latanya. Yeah, I wanted to say um, this has been so powerful. I, I just get, I'm getting all these chills and yeah. Um, I wanted to say that I feel like we live in a time where it's important to do your work, your individual work. I know Ayala says it all the time, right? Do your work. But I think we live in a time where that's the space we're in. You know, that's for African-Americans and other ethnicities and races. It's about doing that individual work so that our institutions institutions and organizations can change. I don't think those institutions and organizations can really change until we are actually doing the individual work that really addresses our thoughts and how we view people that are different from us, how we view, how we make these, these you know, decisions sometimes, just, just from a professional lens, that's coming from a very limited amount of information or understanding even about yourself. So I was just so glad of what you, you talked about, Latanya, about, a, you know, looking at the root and doing your individual work. I think that's where we are. That's really where we are just as a humanity. Like, look at yourself, please. We don't need any more narcissists out here running things and being harmful. Tell it. I love it. I guess with mine, uh, this is Latanya, I'm sorry. Um, what, my, what I would want to leave people with is the understanding that you know, it's funny you brought up Ayala, and thank you so much for saying Katanji because I did want to say her name, but I didn't want to go looking for it to say it right and mess it up. So thank you so much for bringing her up because, you know, it's just indicative of what the challenge has been over this, this you know, past few hundred years is the separation that, 
you know, we're all connected. The hurt you give is the hurt you receive. And sometimes when I watch people and how they move and I observe the pain that they express, it is really about us trying to find ourselves in that space. And as, as we're moving into this generation of healing, everybody, like Aisha just said, everybody is trying to heal. Um, and the reason why I said it's funny that you brought up Ayala is I'm actually in a couple of programs with her learning how to expand my understanding of this healing process so that I can be a better um, resource for people to move into those spaces of healing with support because she can't be everywhere, right? And um, she's teaching us how to do the work in ourselves and then ultimately how to do it with others so that the world can heal. Um, because the, the the dynamic of believing that trauma only impacts one individual type of person or one individual type of group, our traumas look different. You know, the little T, big T, as they say, they look different, but they all have the same impact once it comes into community. So if we can start to look at each other as how we came into the world, we came into the world with an intention to bring a gift, right? We were all imparted with a gift when we came into the earth and we have something to give in the world. Whether we're living out to be 150 years old, we, we only make it a day. Um, we have this incredible gift that we're here to give the world. And through that journey, sometimes we go through some stuff that is difficult for the purpose of understanding our purpose more. Um, and every chance we get to, to sit in that grateful space that Naisha spoke about earlier, to count our blessings within that challenge, we get the opportunity to see that this, this learning curve we're on um, actually gives us an opportunity to afford other people with a good way of connecting to other people. So what I experienced gave me an opportunity to learn about other people. What you experienced gives you an opportunity to learn about other people. And then we all get the opportunity to connect on that level as a human being so that we can heal each other so that less of the pain has to occur in our life and we can experience peace. So that would be what I would give as my final say and what I would hope that I'm bringing with other people in my life. I'm giving the snaps, giving the snaps, giving the soul clap, all that, all that. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you. All right. So thank you all so much for joining us for this very impactful and powerful conversation. I hope that you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Before we leave, I always want to give some resources and opportunities um, for people to get involved, get engaged, to learn, um, and to um, just give back whatever way that suits you. There are a few organizations in addition to the ones that we shared um, during the conversation. One is the National Association of Black Social Workers. Um, they have a website at www.nabsw for National Association of Black Social Workers.org. N-A-B-S-W.org. Their phone number is 202-678-4570. Some of you all are, you know, want to pick up the phone and call and get engaged, but this 202-678-4570. 
Another organization that may be of interest to you is Black Administrators and Child Welfare Incorporated. They are blackadministrators.org, blackadministrators.org, just one word. You can give them a call at 240-482-4968. Again, Black Administrators and Child Welfare, the phone number is 240-482-4968. Another wonderful organization that was a resource for me um, as I was preparing for this podcast is called A Second Chance Incorporated www.asecondchance-kinship.com, K-I-N-S-H-I-P. That's a second chance, a second chance, one word, hyphen kinship.com. And I will leave with those uh, resources for now and look forward to talking to you uh, next week, next time for a new series.